0: To another Tory Talks episode. In episode five we discuss the positive unintended consequences of the Covid-19 outbreak. We hope you enjoy and we hope you're staying indoors and safe whilst listening to this podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Tory Talks. I'm Sam, this is...
1: Hello, I'm Ian.
0: <laughs> it's really weird you not being next to me. And uh, we're doing this uh, at a social distance this week.
1: yeah, we're not we're not actually this close together. Um, uh, we are socially distanced for this. um uh, so yeah, um uh, you can you can see into my house for a change.
0: How exciting.
1: I'm not I'm not too sure about that. I have gone for the obligatory bookshelf look. Um, uh, I think as, as uh, anybody in the politics world seems to have only be pictured in front of a bookshelf. And saying that, Sam, I'm a little bit disappointed that you haven't got a bookshelf behind you, but you probably probably um, uh, won the day because there's a union flag instead.
0: And it's ironed. So a lot of things I see, they put a flag up and then it's not ironed and it really, really bothers me. So this one's ironed. Uh, no, the problem is my bookshelf has just craft books. So i am not but oh,
1: right,
0: yeah. loads of political books because, let's be honest, you're only going to read it once. So I used to just get them from the library. I don't, I don't keep... My my books, um, my my political books. So yeah, that's why I'm not in front of a bookshelf because I think it'd be quite embarrassing to see gardening with kids and uh, <laughs> and all that in the background. So I thought I went for the, uh, well, the usual. I've, I've taken
1: my I've taken my copy of Karma Sutra off the uh, <laughs> bookshelf for this particular episode, but it will be back in next week. <laughs> I did have to check behind me that there was nothing too yeah. embarrassing.
0: You take all the poor now. <laughs>
1: Oh, no, I've left that in. Those those with an eagle eye and a zoom lens might be able to find that, yeah. So, um, (laughs) so we did did discuss trying to have a Tory talks and not discussing coronavirus, Um, but I suppose that's probably not really possible, is it?
0: No, because everything is corona-related. There isn't anything that goes by without... I mean, there's not even any sport on anymore, (laughs) you know. It's literally just... Corona, Corona, Corona. So I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm a, I'm a little bit uh, about it all.
1: Um, I suppose I'm quite fortunate in a way because I'm still going to work every day. Um, and once I'm at work, it's kind of like a coronavirus-free zone. Apart from the extra signs we've got up everywhere at work, you know, i limit your movements and wash your hands," and you know, there's little signs everywhere at work. Apart from that, um. Uh, I've still got that bit of my routine and because I can't work from home. So uh, it's probably a li- little bit easier for me than it is for most people. Mm. And because we don't have children, um, uh, it's much – we probably don't notice as much of a change as some people do. Obviously, I notice it with my council work and I notice it with the amount of shopping I have to do for people, other people at the weekends. Um, uh, but no, I'm uh, – I'm probably a little bit better off than you as far as because you're doing the whole uh, self-isolation, aren't you?
0: Yeah. So I think it's day 19, 20. I can't even remember now. So I haven't been anywhere near a shop or anything. I've just purely been at home with the kids, gone for my daily walk. um, That's it. So, yeah, I knew we were quite different. But then this just shows how different we are, because right now our lives <laughs> couldn't get any more different if they tried. So, yeah, I'm homeschooling. I'm working from home um feeling it at times because I'm quite a sociable person, aren't I? So I, I don't tend to be on my own quite a lot. So I'm trying to keep the morale up. So any sort of conference calls I've been doing and stuff, I've been dressing up in fancy dress and just trying to sort of, you know, people don't know what they're going to get from me each day so it's like whoa okay you're a big eater today um so I'm trying to sort of keep spirits up and and all that but I'm just worried that I'm going to end up uh, being in my own little fantasy world and then I'm going to actually have to go out and not dress as a princess anymore and that'll be a bit of a shame
1: well you never know and (laughs) I suppose one thing to notice, which I know we'll bring up today, is unintended consequences of, uh, well, intended and unintended consequences of uh, this current um, crisis. And you might find that people do change. You might find that people's habits do change. Um, uh, Those people that are used to, you know, going out every evening, uh, socialising with their friends every evening, perhaps um, going to the pub or whatever. um, uh, this extended period of lockdown very well may change their outlook on lots of things.
0: Yeah, I think it depends on how, how it goes on for So I was reading the psychology of people's routine, and apparently once you get to about 12 weeks, that's when you click into, OK, this is my new normal. Um, and so I think, you know, if it's a short term thing, which it doesn't look like it's going to be, um, then we'll probably all go back to how we used to be or the majority of people. But if it's more than 12 weeks, this is going to become our new normal. And so it might be a little bit more difficult to um, to adjust. And that's one of the reasons why when you're on tour in the army and things, they have R&R at a certain um, a point so that it doesn't you, you get a break from that and it doesn't become your your, your normal uh, your new normal so um so yeah it all depends on how long this isolation goes on for uh, really but i think what,
1: but what's your opinion what's your opinion on how long it will go on for
0: i i don't want to say really but you know i'm mentally preparing for at least 12 weeks so wow. yeah you. um in addition to the the three weeks i've already done so yeah that's kind of what i'm mentally preparing for i've got well, you know me, I'm a bit of a, a, a planner anyway, so I've got a short term plan, everything I need to I want to achieve in the next four weeks and then everything I want to achieve in the next six months um, in preparation of what I can do to make sure that I fill up my time in six months. If I am completely out of the real world for that amount of time, I don't know whether that's crazy or or what, but that's my my coping mechanism.
1: I'll tell you in a few weeks whether it's crazy or not. Um, can anybody can can anybody really tell um you know and again it's totally different for me because as far as I'm aware our business is going to stay open for the duration um I believe that if there is a total lockdown similar to what they've got in northern Italy at the moment where only essential businesses stay open that we very well may stay open anyway um I'm not entirely sure. We're just in discussions with people at the moment. Um, it's just simply because we supply a lot of infrastructure to the electricity supply network. So um, uh, I don't know whether that qualifies us or not um, uh, as, a, as a business that's going to stay open, but so if there's a further lockdown. Um, and then I suppose when I'm at home, the first. Thing I'm doing every day when I get home is ca- catching up with the council stuff, because the one thing that's obvious at the moment is that we're not having meetings. So uh the government has just passed the legislation for councils to be able to hold virtual meetings, mm. which has never happened before in the past. And I know a lot of councils are currently working on how that might work and how that might happen. Um, but obviously, there's still an amazing amount of things to be done and decisions to be made. Um, uh, and so yeah it's it's certainly not your usual run of the mill council stuff but it's probably concentrating on the people that we we really need to concentrate on mm. and i suppose that's our first unintended consequence is the amazing community spirit that has shone through um uh, throughout this and so much so and i don't know if other areas of the country are similar but there's lots of um organized help out there at the moment lots of helplines set up by councils lots of organized help from organizations like age uk and food banks and they're actually finding that they've got a lot of extra capacity yeah because a lot less people have signed up to them than they thought because a lot of the help is actually coming from people within the community
0: yeah, I mean, um, I, so I work for a conservative association and we sent out an email um, to our members this week, which was all the information of all the help that you can get that's that's out there from, you know, Suffolk County Council with the funding there and what numbers to call. And when I um, was sent the email to then sent out, I was amazed by how much there was available and um, because... Personally, it's a really uncomfortable feeling for me, but I'm completely out of it. I'm one of those people that are getting my food delivered from friends and relying on other people. I'm not in the mix like I normally am, so I just had no idea what was already out there. And this email just seemed never-ending with the amount of stuff. So that's really, really good to see because we've always struggled uh, in the last sort of 10 years, I say, with getting volunteers because the older generation seemed to be – it just – it seems to be in their DNA to come out and volunteer. Um, And then as the generations have moved on, especially my generation, millennials, um, I don't know whether you're a millennial, I never mentioned that. Um, No, no. We just, the psychology around who volunteers, it just doesn't seem to be there with millennials unless you're going to get a qualification out of it. So I've worked for um, a charity in the past in A&E and we've really, really struggled to, replenish the the older generation who's then become too old to to volunteer we haven't been able to get the younger ones in um and so seeing the amount of volunteers and seeing the amount of stuff that we're doing in our community is quite exciting from from someone like myself and you who who we do stuff in the, the community to know that this could have a really positive consequence in the future of knowing that these people might just love it you get you get a real buzz from helping others don't you um and so hopefully that'll continue when when the apocalypse is over. Do you think?
1: Well, I'd love to think so. Um I would say so there are a couple of uh, apps around next door is one that seems to be one that a lot of people are using and um so it seems in our area for example um uh, the next door app from my area any as soon as anybody goes on there asking for any help within Less than five minutes, they've had more than one um, uh, offer of help. So much so that one of the community engagement officers from the borough council has actually started when um, they're obviously contacted by people who are in, um, uh, in in need of some help, rather than directing them towards some of the more um, formal-based organisations, is literally posting onto this next door app because he knows the reaction is really really quick so for example I've noticed today there was three separate requests this morning from this guy who works at the council um, on this next door app and it was specific people and we obviously did he only put the general area that they were in you know, He didn't put their actual names because of gdpr and all that but that they were needed prescriptions picked up today and all of them individually they weren't all at the same time and all of them individually within five ten minutes had all had somebody on the app going on to, uh, going on contacting the guy from the council putting their name forward in there and then like uh, really handy the guy from the council then comes back and says we're sort of this one's sorted now i don't need anybody for this but if anybody's still got any extra time how could you help with this and so i saw he was doing that this morning so I actually rang him at lunchtime and um uh, I said how come you're using this and not some of the official help that you're um, obviously setting up yourselves and his actual answer was that it's quicker <laughs> it's far quicker for him he just has to write a few lines on facebook share it onto this onto this onto this app and within 10 minutes the problem that he had was sorted yeah. so um obviously that does work for um uh, the single people and the ones and twos that, that, that obviously ring him we do need the uh let's not beat around the bush we do still need this organized help because it is the organised help. We're hoping within the council that by the end of this week, um, uh, so hopefully by the uh, the end of the weekend, the supermarkets will have the system in place to um, help the one and a half million of the most vulnerable so they can have have priority over the online booking system. Um, uh, But yes, I would love to think that not only helping, but bringing bringing communities together. Um, uh, you know you're seeing communities and group, street groups set up and do their own things I've seen quite a lot of facebook videos where people in the streets are coming out at certain times and singing certain songs having a dance off there's neighbors that have taken down um uh, fence panels between their um uh, between their gardens so they're chatting from garden to garden um uh, and it's that kind of community so I think we can always find people to help, but it's that kind of community spirit that I do think will um uh, will actually survive past this. I won't call it an apocalypse, because my personal opinion is that this is far from an apocalypse. Um, But that's a different story altogether. But certainly one of the unintended consequences is just seeing how much people want to help.
0: Mm. Yeah. And I think it's really heartwarming, actually, because um yeah I mean I, I, being out of it um I had this bit of a panic of like oh my gosh like I don't know whether I all of a sudden thought I was really important or something but I was like I'm not going to be part of the organizing team therefore it's all going to fall down I guess in, in, in my area but because I've been out um people have been helping me and they're saying like you will it's given us an opportunity to step up um and say so, you know if there are a lot of controlling people I guess like me then it may May dampen other people to have the confidence to to step up. So you know that's that's a positive as well. I didn't realise that maybe people just leave me to get on with it because I'm a little bit, and uh, um, But yeah, so people have said it's given us the opportunity to sort of help you out and other people around because you're out of the pitch. They do. But
1: sometimes I think that help is actually easier to um accept when it's from a neighbour or a close someone that lives close to you rather than official channels. You have to remember that there are. Um, uh, OK, the majority of us don't mind dealing with official channels, but there are an awful lot of people out there in the hard to reach category that won't touch official channels. And if it's somebody from the council comes calling, they don't want to know. If it's a local resident that lives in their street that maybe can empathise a bit more with them, they're actually more likely to accept the help. So uh, actually, it's meaning that there's that the hard to reach people actually don't fall through the net. Hmm. Um but as much as, you, as much as you do obviously offer help to everybody, I think, and this is something for really people and the general public to actually understand, because I'm getting a lot of contact from people and there's a lot of noise on social media about homeless people. Um, and I see people taking pictures of homeless people in Ipswich and moaning at the authorities for not doing anything. But I must say that the people, and, and I can only talk about the area that, I represent, but I'm pretty sure because this has come from central government. Central government has sent a missive round to all councils that all people on the streets must be off the streets, regardless of how much it costs. To that extent, two days ago at Ipswich Council, we signed a deal for £150,000 with the local hotel to book out some rooms. To to keep some homeless families in there now we've got a lot of homeless provision in ipswich anyway mm. but the ones you're seeing on the streets if there's people on the streets now in ipswich it's because they've refused help and they've refused all offers of uh genuine help uh that can that, that can be offered so i don't want people to think that perhaps it's heartless that these heartless conservatives are not doing anything mm. because they have to remember that it was the conservatives we've got a labour run council here in Ipswich but it's the conservatives that, that that sent round um uh the instruction to get everybody off the streets and it might be that you know that could also be another unintended consequence of this that um uh you know we do realize that if we do have the inclination and the uh and the wherewithal then we actually can get people off the streets. Mm. Um, it's, it's always seemed to be a bit of an impossible task or an, a pipe dream when somebody says I'm going to eradicate homelessness, I'm going to eradicate rough sleeping by 2025. You know the next couple of weeks and few months should show people that actually it is possible and I think that that could be a really positive consequence of this um, uh, crisis is that we realise we, it's certainly easier for us to identify where the hard to reach people actually are, hmm. but we'll also realise that some things that people think are impossible aren't actually impossible um, uh, and are possible and aren't as difficult to reach as what some people think they are.
0: Well, this, so, this is the frustration about um, other things that I've noticed that we can do because of this that I've personally wanted to happen for a long time. Um you know we asked a question about whether we could make council meetings more accessible you asked you know it's been raised hasn't it about council meetings whether we could film them whether we can make it all more accessible to people Um, obviously that's been said you know it's been said no we know that that's possible we know the technology is there we know it's not expensive now that we're in a situation where we're forced to look at other avenues Oh, turns out we can do this all along. So I think another positive will be when we go back into the real world as such, there's no excuse anymore for not making things more accessible to the public, Um, such as televised meetings. I thought about, um, say, as a single mum, if I was a counsellor and I couldn't have childcare for whatever reason, there is no reason why we can have the technology now that I could still attend a full council meeting, for example, but via this, because we're proving yeah. that we're making, a, we're making provisions now. So in the future, when it comes to okay, we need to make this more accessible. When council starts saying no, we're going to say okay. Well, back in the day when they when they, I'm going to call it the apocalypse happened, we did make those provisions. We did make those changes. So you now you're saying no because you just don't want to put the effort in. We know the technology is out there because we're all using it. Same as home working and, and that kind of thing. I think I think the world is going to change for the better and it's going to be more acceptable. I'm hoping because there's no there's no excuse anymore.
1: Well, okay, so certainly this would have dragged some people in the 21st century that weren't even in the, in the 20th century before. Obviously, there'll be people using video calling now for the first time. Um, uh, there'll be a group of people, and a lot of the... Older people in our society obviously are using some um, uh, forms of um, connectivity now they've never even heard of before. Mm. Um, Well, the app that we're using to do this, I'd not heard of this before two weeks ago. Um, uh, And, um, uh, you know, so a lot more people are doing that. On the home working front, I am slightly concerned about that um, because, yes, it has shown that a lot of jobs can be done at home. It has shown that a lot of companies have got the ability to homework when ne- they didn't necessarily think they had before, mm-hmm. but we don't want an unintended consequence being that, ca- that that more companies force people to work from home. Yeah, because let's um, uh, let's remember at the moment that you know a lot of people are working from home, but not in ideal situations. Far from ideal, they might have kids around them as well. They've not got the proper setup. They're probably sitting at a breakfast bar or something like that. On uh, you know, and it's okay for a short period of time, but it's not necessarily. Be okay, um, but I know for a fact that our council in Ipswich—they will be looking at the number of people they've got working from home, and they've got nearly four or five hundred people working from home, and they will think, "Oh, hold on, we could rent out another whole floor of our council building and make an extra two hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year by forcing all these people to work from home." I wouldn't want an unintended consequence to be people were forced to work from home. I'd like that the offer to be there but I wouldn't want to get into a situation where the majority of office jobs are done from home just because it can be.
0: Yeah, and there's also the question of uh, mental health issues around home working and isolation. Um, So I've done both working from home 100% um, and uh, flexible working. So obviously I have a disability. I say obviously, I have a disability. It might not be so obvious. Um, And so when I worked in the city, on the days that I'm in my wheelchair... Um, what were you going to say? Go on. Nothing.
1: <laughs> I was going to ask mental or physical.
0: <laughs> Both. <laughs> but um, my physical disability is, uh, yeah, sometimes I have to use a wheelchair. And so commuting into London, um, we all know that it's not the easiest. Um, and so I had flexible work and sort of worked from home the days that I was in my wheelchair. Not every company offers that. Um, and so I've done that. And the, the positives of actually going into an office is you see people. Um, you can go over to someone's desk and say, oh, I need to ask this question instead of sending an email and then them just ignoring you. Um, you can have the office banter and the team meetings and build up their rapport. If you're 100 percent working from home, you don't have that connection. You don't have that uh, relationship. So I, I think that, the, you know, if you're going to do flexible working, then you should absolutely have maybe one day a week where you all meet as a team. Um, because there is, you know, mental health uh impacts on on complete isolation uh, which we're going to uh,
1: well, uh, see. Th- that's definitely right but d- let's not forget that home working at times when there wasn't a coronavirus going on wouldn't involve self-isolation so you yes of course um uh, it's um uh, it's more communal if you're working in an office and you can obviously speak with people but let's not forget if you are home working and we don't have a lockdown you're still um uh free to do whatever you want in your spare time so yeah. it's not it, it's not as bad as that but but certain i just wouldn't want i'd love the choice to be there and i think it will it will show some companies that they have got a choice to do that um uh, and so and so an unintended consequence could actually be that you see much smaller office blocks than you used to
0: yeah
1: um uh, and you may very well see as we know town centers are changing you may very well see tall office blocks that used to be full of um uh, uh, workers uh, now may may turn partly residential because uh, obviously firms realize they don't need to rent as much space as they um, as they would have done before yeah. um uh, and uh, another unintended consequence which certainly we've noticed here and I, and I know other parts of the world have noticed it and they really notice it in China um uh, is air pollution
0: yeah
1: um so we suffer quite badly from air pollution in Ipswich um we have five air quality management areas, all of which, at the moment, are uh, would not be air quality management areas on, on, on current um, uh, on current statistics. Um, we're showing thirty to forty percent decreases in air pollution in some of the worst areas in um, uh, in Ipswich. Now, when that's attributed, see that's studies have attributed sixty-five deaths a year to that in Ipswich, but they've they've attributed something like twenty-five to 30,000 deaths nationally. Yeah, but
0: I looked at Health England and they said they estimate between 28,000 and 36,000 deaths a year through long-term exposure to air pollution.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously that's long-term exposure. So just having a few months of where we have a lockdown. But again, I think that shows what can be done. And I think that shows um, the, the difference that all the traffic make. So I'd like to think that, now, I was speaking to somebody today um, who's actually whose parents are from Italy. They're from a rural part of Italy, but he, their father was speaking to them the other day, and he's actually telling him that this is the Italy that he could smell as a child. He can actually smell the difference in the air because they're although it's a rural part, they're on the edges. Of, they're on the edges of a city, and they're in the north, so it's quite industrial up there. Mm. Um, so a lot, lot, lots of factories, and they can actually notice the difference. And I don't know if you saw any of the pictures. Uh, from china when um uh, they were on lockdown um uh, s- uh some of the air pollution um uh in china virtually disappeared within two w- within two or three days so i think it is a stark reminder to people just how much difference the human in- the human interaction has i know i'm not being any coronavirus related things i'm touching my face i'm touching my eyes <laughs> um, um uh, but one, I've sanitised my hands before. But, but before I did this, and I shall do it afterwards as well. But well. why don't
0: you do a Dominic Graham and just lick your finger and change the page? By the way, that's just a ha- that's a pet hate of mine. I've always hated it. When I worked uh, in a in a cash office, people would lick their fingers to give me the cash, I'd be like, <laughs> it's so disgusting. I don't know why people do that. Oh, and um, yeah, so I, I I hope that people just stop doing really. Rank things like that after this as well, because they start thinking about their actual hygiene and how they're spreading. So well,
1: I, I was actually, I was actually speaking at work today, and um, you know, obviously the two meter self distancing that's never going to continue. Um, uh, uh, social distancing after this is finished. But the one thing that it should actually do is actually it should, and we've probably all been guilty of this at some stage. But what this should actually do is that it should actually remind people to stay off work when they're not feeling very well. We've all been to work with a cough and a cold, um, which was probably flu related. Um, uh, And then, you know, we've all heard stories where somebody gets it and then somebody else gets it and then somebody else gets it. But it might actually make us think more because, you know, because we kind of like write off the common cold and flu and whatever. um, uh, We don't, most of us don't think anything of going to work when we've got a cough or we've got a runny nose or whatever. Um, uh, so it might make people think a lot more about um, uh, about how they interact with other people and how what they do affects other people's everyday life. But also, it's probably going to have an effect on uh, companies and monitoring their staff, See, at the moment, uh, let's face it, if you're if you're walking down a corridor at the moment and you walk past somebody's office and you see them having a coughing fit, within five minutes, and HR, some HR department would have sent them home. Whereas four or five weeks ago, you wouldn't say anything. You just walk past and make some kind of funny, jokey comment about them having a smoker's cough. You wouldn't think, even think twice about sending them home. Whereas realistically, of course they should be at home. So um, uh, I think that's definitely going to change. Um, uh, a lot. Our perception of what um, uh, we sh- when we should be at work and when we shouldn't be at work. Um, uh, that's definitely going to change long term, and the way employers look after their staff.
0: Yeah, but are you going to change? Because you're saying all this, but time and time again, I've called you, and you have sounded like you were about to die. You have sounded that rough, and you just go, "Well, I don't do sick day." So would you? This is just it.
1: So so no 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 only only the strong HR person because you know me I'm 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 stubborn as a mule and no, my personal you know my, my 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 personal opinion on this is that you know lots of people are talking about an exit strategy on coronavirus the only exit strategy that there is is for the majority of the population to get it or to have had it or to carry the antibodies. Um, uh, you know that's the only way out of a virus like this. So, um, uh, you know, I've got slightly different views on that. But would I change? I think I'd probably have to. I mean, let's face it. I know that if I, if I wake up on Monday and I've got a dry, persistent cough, I'd have usually gone into work. Mm. Now, I wouldn't go into work this Monday purely for the fact that if I went, drove all the way there, they'd turn me around and they'd send me straight back home again but as from next week well when they turn up anyway um uh we should be having some forehead thermometers turn up you know one of those infrared things you do from a distance Hmm. turn up at work on monday and uh nobody will be starting work without being tested first interesting and i actually and i actually think that might become common (laughs) i'm being serious that very well might become common Can you Um, imagine
0: a world where, like, you go on a date and then you've just got this, like, attachment to your phone and you're like, don't come anywhere near me, and you just scan them? (laughs) May happen. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, so in, like, 10 years' time, that would be the norm is you just scan someone's head before you date them. (laughs) Uh, uh,
1: Loads of of things are uh, uh, going to change from this. And a really good thing that I think could change from this is, and you're saying sitting in front of a Union Jack, there's been a massive rise in nationalism. Now, personally speaking, I see nothing wrong with nationalism. Anybody from the left of politics will tell you that nationalism is absolutely awful. But but you've noticed it, and the European Union is very crumbling before our eyes. Yeah. Um, you know, France banning the banning transporting of PPE between countries. France quarantining things that you know the NHS have ordered things from French manufacturers, which they've then Quarantine said, no, you can't have it out of the country. And it's really, really every man for himself as far as Europe's concerned at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And, you know, I think one of the good consequences is that when this all dies down, we're going to realise that we're actually going to have to manufacture more in this country. Um, You know, One of the issues about PPE is that a lot of the PPE that we have, because it's low value, um, because it's low value, we don't do a lot of low-value production in this country um, because we tend to be more technical on our production side. But we're going to have to, you know, I believe when this is all done and dusted, that countries are going to look really long and hard into being not necessarily self-sufficient. But I don't think you're going to have as many extended global supply chains um, uh, in low-value products as what you had before. I think there's going to be a mass um, not boycott is the wrong word, but I think that certainly people will look to do business with the companies that have perhaps helped. Um, uh, um, just little things, like my mum was talking, to, I talked to my mum the other night and she's she's in the market for a new vacuum cleaner. She's almost definitely going to get a new vacuum cleaner from G-Tech, um, uh, the company that's making the ventilators. She'd have never bought a, a vacuum cleaner from GTEch before, but she's, the only reason she said that is because, oh, look what they're doing for the country, so I want to do something for them.
0: Yeah. And
1: I do think, you know there's there's people that are profiting out of this so for example i've paid the equivalent of 42 pound 50 per bottle for some 500 mil bottles of hand sanitizer this week because we had to have them for work um you can bet your bottom dollar will never be doing business with that company ever again um so although they've got business now they've lost it in the future yeah um uh, but i think that companies that do offer their assistance, which is another reason why I think you've got such a rush of all these companies to offer their help, um, uh, I think they will see massive benefits when this is finished. Mm. And I think because, you know, this is where perhaps we might be quite well placed in this, and I I say might, and I say it with a lot of um, uh, reserve judgment, because, because of the no-deal Brexit plan that we did. We've done stress tests on all of our major supply chains. So we know exactly where the pinch points are and where the problems are, um, uh, which most countries won't have even considered those kinds of tests. Um, uh, So um, although the media would lead you to believe that we're short of this, short of that, short of something else, my guess is that we uh, have got as secure supply chains for food and medicine and essential supplies as any country in the world.
0: Well, this is, Matt Hancock kind of hinted at it yesterday in his, um, uh, the daily damage report, as I refer it to. Um, uh, you know, it, it, he hinted at because of the preparation that we were doing for no deal Brexit, we had all these, you know, this, this in place. Um, and I was actually in a group chat with my leavers of, of Suffolk uh, group and we were talking about Brexit because of concerns that there's going to be a, de- a further delay. Um, but, you know, I don't, I don't feel because of the preparation that we've been doing... And because of this, that there are abs- there needs to be a delay in terms of Brexit, I think we'll be in a stronger, stronger position because of uh, uh, COVID-19 that we could just leave with a no deal, uh, which is you know, what I personally want anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting to see the other countries and uh, the reaction within the European Union. Um, you know, the Italians uh, burning their European Union flags um, and feeling very much being left on their own. And it's kind of... Bring to light this yeah, like you say the, the very much every man for himself um, and we're coming to realize that you know, we can turn things around really quickly when we need to so we are you know we've been built a hospital almost from scratch very quickly we're going into lines of work that we haven't done for a long long time but we have got manufacturing there we just need need to look at it and I think there'll be a massive massive change in the future um, and doing a lot of things from home which is very much what we should be doing anyway, um, because this isn't going to be the last time that we have an outbreak like this. We're not going to get over corona, and then there won't there won't be another replacement. Um, it will it will come in time, so we need to be more prepared for it. Um, so I think yeah, it, it, be, it, will, it,
1: it may not co- it may not come in it may not come in time if the Chinese stop eating live wild animals.
0: Well, they've gone back to well, I don't know if they have, but what I've the footage I've seen is they've gone absolutely back to their old ways eating whatever they want um doing what they do and uh and yeah and and so i don't i don't think this is the last time we're going to have a, a bug um or a virus well,
1: so, 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 so there are some provinces in china that have already banned the um consumption of live wild animals um uh and uh i know it is. it probably will become nationwide at some stage um but it's a it's a it's a cultural thing and um it's going to take a generation to, to to get rid of that but um uh certainly um the global nature of the economy means that obviously when you have something like this it obviously decimates the whole world and you know it would I say the only economically the only saving grace I believe for the western democracies is the fact that they're pretty much all been hit by this at the same time so it'll be a bit of a level playing field um uh, unlike uh the last financial crash which really um uh, affected countries that had got a large banking sector more than um uh, more than the others which is why we suffered germany suffered the state suffered you know they didn't suffer anywhere near as much um uh, uh in um in france for example um because they don't have a bigger financial sector um but because this is pretty much affecting nearly all certainly all western democracies we're going to all start off from the from a very similar um uh place when this is all over um it's interesting though because from from what i understand uh, sweden seems to be doing totally different from all other countries in europe
0: they're not doing anything are they
1: they have done some so, so they so they've limited gatherings. Now, I can't remember if they've limited gatherings to 500 or 50, I think it's 50, okay. but it's not two. Um, uh, most shops are still open,
0: yeah, but they I'm are still open as well. They
1: are practicing a level of social distancing, but they're nothing like any of the others, and that's quite strange because they're considered to be quite a socially liberal. Um, uh, country, then they do spend a lot on um, uh, healthcare and everything like that. So be interesting to see what happens. Mm. And I don't know if you've heard of um, Belarus, <laughs> one of the old Russian states. <laughs> so <You're> there, <laughs> I am because it's going to be a. Uh, it's, no, no, look. So, so the world is going to look to Belarus if they don't change their um, uh, uh, their laws because it will be a real eye opener because their president has basically refused point blank to, to bring in anything, any kind of um, uh, uh, changes at all, to the extent that um, they've got cases in their country. They've, uh, w- w- middle of the week, they had just over 100 cases in their country. Um, their president has been on their national television, telling people that if they eat their breakfast at the right time, have 50 mils of vodka every day and a sauna, that should see them through the worst of this crisis. Now, Belarus really is a country that's quite rural and has got quite an aged population and isn't very rich. So you'd think think that it's the type of place that this virus could have the ability to absolutely sweep through. But I think there'll be a lot of countries looking on it. I know we're laughing and joking about it, but there'll actually be a lot of countries looking on that and thinking, Hmm. What difference are we going to see? Because the one thing that I'm really noticing at the moment is with the barring two exceptions, one of which is China, which nobody believes, and the other being South Korea, which is either a, a, a mistake with numbers or it does highlight the fact they've got a very obedient society. Everybody's graph for this COVID death rate is exactly the same. They all superimpose onto each other and they've all, each of the countries have got a varying different degrees of lockdown. Um, Yet they all seem to be travelling exactly the same path. Because my thoughts on this are that it's such a contagious disease and there are so many, such a high percentage of people that get it that are asymptomatic that it's actually impossible to stop the spread. And I, th- my personal opinion is that we're wasting our time. Um, uh, I would personally isolate and lock down everybody from uh, one of the vulnerable groups, and I would let the rest of the country go about their business. Because, you know, if you can be walking around with it anyway, you could be passing it on to everybody else without knowing. And I think there are millions of people doing that. So it doesn't matter what level of lockdown you have unless you physically lock everybody down in their houses and somebody else does their shopping. But who's going to do that? Um, Let's remember that worked in China because China are a totalitarian state where they all live in big apartment blocks that are controlled by the government. So literally the apartment block managers were going out and shopping on behalf of all the people in the apartment blocks. That's not going to work in a democracy. So we're playing around the edges of something which I don't think is actually going to make much
0: difference. Do you think the job is harder for our government because we are treading a very fine line at the moment between maintaining our democracy and not we've spoken about democracy a lot in the last three years because of obviously brexit and everything else do you think it's because we are dancing on that line of still trying to maintain some form of democracy public, you know personal choice and that kind of thing do you think that's making things very very difficult from a government point of view of making these decisions
1: i think it's difficult for governments to make decisions but i don't think it's because of the democracy thing um uh, because uh realistically um we don't really have you know we haven't got that much of a lockdown here at the moment people's civil liberties haven't been eroded that much um uh they are still allowed to go out of their house albeit for a walk and stuff but no i don't believe that it's democracy i i do think the pub, the, the the government in this country do seem to be doing things slightly different, in as much as we almost seem to be, and it's certainly this was certainly the case before the lockdown happened. We seem to almost leak things two or three days in advance that this may happen. Yeah. So people had a chance and an opportunity to um uh, get used to it in their head, and then we enacted it. Um, I think we are not. You don't hear me very often saying things against anybody in this country really but i don't think as a society the people in this country we're very uh we follow rules very well i think we're very individualistic which is our biggest um uh uh, asset um uh so i don't think a lockdown is going to work for very long in this country um uh i think if a lockdown in this country was any longer than six weeks the people would just ignore it
0: yeah
1: um be interesting to see this weekend i think it's meant to be 19 degrees this weekend in East Anglia, and uh, obviously we've got some lovely coastal resorts. It will be really interesting to see how busy they are or not, as the case may be. Um, uh, you know, Easter next week, um, uh, kids have been in. It's easy for me to say I don't have kids, but if your kids have been shut in for the last three or four weeks, I just don't know if people are going to stick by the rules. And uh, that you have to consider that. There's only point in enacting tough rules if people are going to abide by them. Mm -hmm. they're not going to abide by the what's the point
0: yeah absolutely i think i think um this weekend will be a real demonstration of what people are actually made of and whether they're actually going to you know listen to to it because we're seeing every day we're seeing more and more deaths which was to be expected but we're also seeing this possibility of a really glorious uh weekend weather-wise we saw all those idiots in um in Felixstowe and all the coast just before the lockdown. And um, which gave the, the government a really good way of sort of saying look, can't really behave so we're going to have to do this semi lockdown thing if people don't behave this weekend I fully expect it to be a proper lockdown. I really do. I think this weekend will tell well,
1: when, when you say a proper lockdown, the, 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 the only next step, as far as our lockdown is concerned, we, we're not, not going to do a China, we're not going to lock people in their houses. It's impossible. We can't do it. We're not set up for that. It just won't work. Um, uh, the only possible next step is to close non-essential businesses. But that won't stop people travelling to the coast. You know, it's already. Is It's already, you're only supposed to be in the car to make essential journeys so there's already legislation in place where the police could stop um uh people driving to the coast at the weekend if they want to so i certainly don't think a a, a strict lockdown would actually change that um but at some point you know and i i'm never Mr popular anyway but you know at some point you have to remember if you're if you're this lockdown only happened last week let's remember that over 70s and those in vulnerable positions were asked to self-isolate from not the Monday we've just had, the Monday before. So this is the end of, this is virtually the end of their second week. Well, as most people don't take 14 days to develop the symptoms, you know, we're not going to see those numbers if there's been any change to the week after. Um, uh, uh, you know, so it will be difficult to say whether it's working or not, but if we con- can concentrate on those, and I think we can actually start relaxing things. For, um, uh, for some other sections of society, because you have to remember, we cannot protect everybody. Mm. You now It was shown last night, um, uh, I can't remember the gentleman's name, he's a reporter on BBC. Uh, I was sad enough to watch the, you know they used to do the Brexit cast with Laura Coonsberg, and, um, well, they do a coronavirus version now. Um, and uh, I watched that yesterday evening. And one of the presenters on there um, uh, got his hands on one of those antibody tests. Um, one of the ones that we're creating.
0: Oh, I saw And I, he took it. Yeah, I saw a random thing of it and it said he had sorry, he had corona. Yeah. And the antibodies.
1: Yeah. No, no, it said he had the antibodies. So oh. it's not a test to see if you've got corona. It's similar to a pregnancy test in as much as, not this bit, so it's it's a prick your finger and get a couple of drops of blood out, but then you put it in this uh, kind of like a handheld device that looks a bit like a pregnancy tester thing, and the lines come up. So two two lines come up, meaning you have got the antibodies. Now, he was saying um, it's actually quite scary because he hadn't had any symptoms. So as far as he was aware, This test is telling him that he's had COVID-19 at some point in his life and that he's now got the antibodies for it. And that's why I'm saying I think this is a bit of a waste of time because, you know, so many of us have got it that are walking around. It's all well and good saying, okay, with a bit of self-isolation, that means we're not giving it to everybody else. But I've got to go to the supermarket at the weekend. Now, I don't don't care how how far away I stay from somebody at the supermarket. I'm going to touch more things than go in my than go in my trolley just because nature, is I might, pick up that and choose that one instead or whatever. Um, I'm going to touch the trolley for a start. Um, uh, I'm going to touch the um, uh, the, the keypad on the um, uh, on the machine um, uh, to 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 pay with. So if I was in asymptomatic, I could go to my supermarket and as I'm doing shopping for a few people, I'll probably go to two or three supermarkets and I could spread it to. 30, 40, 50, 100 people within the space of an hour. And everybody's going to a supermarket. So somebody tell me what is the actual point of uh, locking down the general population rather than those most at risk.
0: So if you you have the antibodies and you've had corona in the past, can you still carry it to other people? Uh,
1: So your own... If you haven't got coronavirus now, then of course you can't give it to anybody else. No, Um, uh, you can only pass on what you've actually got. If you haven't got it anymore, then you can't pass it on. The thing we don't know at the moment is what kind of immunity it gives you. So obviously viruses fall into a couple of categories. You've got viruses a bit like German measles, chicken pox, you can only get once. The antibodies are strong enough so to give you immunity for life, which is why you get inoculated against German measles when you're younger mm. um, uh, 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 because then you'll build up for life. Um, a lot of, a lot most coronaviruses, which is the flu family, don't have that. They only give, which is why you have to have a flu jab every year because the virus mutates each year and so this year's flu is slightly different from last year's so last year's jab won't give you immunity. But what they're saying about cor- this coronavirus, the actual makeup of the virus has hardly altered at all between now, the cases that you're getting in the States, let's say, compared to the first cases you've got in China, it's pretty much the same virus. So it doesn't look like the virus is mutating at all, which scientists t- say leads you to believe that it will give you long-term immunity rather than short-term. Okay.
0: Okay. So that's
1: the only positive thing that's coming out of this. The the science is saying that it looks like it's going to be one of those viruses that we can eradicate relatively easily as and when a vaccine becomes available, rather than having a seasonal thing like we do with flu. Okay. Okay, I'm
0: with you then. Fingers crossed. Yeah, well, we shall see. But you know, I, I'm trying to stay positive and trying to look at beyond this, uh, which is what we were originally sort of talking about is the positive um, unintended consequences that will come from this and uh, the future as much as the present seems scary, the future I think looks quite exciting from from a, a young person's point of view who wants to to see all these positive changes. I think there's a lot of things that can be done and I'm hoping that um, it will continue in the future. Are you positive Ian?
1: I think, it gives, I think it gives us an opportunity, but it'll be very easy for countries to slip right back into the same mode they were in before. It gives most countries the opportunity to reset their economies a little bit and um, make some of the changes that perhaps they didn't have the guts to make beforehand. Um, you know, let's face it, if there wasn't a good time to discuss social care in this country, then when is there going to be? So I'd like to think that you know we come up with some long-term plans for pensions, for social care, for looking after the, the more elderly in our society. Um, and it is possible, obviously, to um, uh, to enact lots of changes. Um, uh, you have to bear in mind it's all well and good to say, oh, yeah, it's very positive. Um, you know, I'm always a glass half full person like that. But um, this is going to cost an absolute fortune. It will have to be paid for. Does that mean that you're going to get another round of austerity? I don't think the country can possibly do that. Um, uh, so I don't really know how that's going to work. The one thing I do know is that one one of the unintended consequences of this, which I'm not in favour of, being a, being a particularly right-wing conservative, is that undoubtedly tax will increase yeah. um, across the world. Across the world, it'll have to, um, because the only, you know, you know the only people who are really paying for this is people. Um, tax will have to increase, and I'm not talking about by one or two pence. I can see a massive change in tax, as much as three, four, five pence in the pound, maybe. Um, certainly I think VAT might change. Um, uh, you know, there'll be some big changes in tax and national insurance. Um uh I possibly think which again is another unintended consequence, it could this could signal the death knell for self-employment. Um Self-employment has always been something that this country has been really, really good at and has been the lifeblood of conservative policy for many, many a year. Self-employment has always been you pay lower taxes in return for not having so much of a safety net. But really what's been proven during this crisis is that that safety net has to be there for the self-employed. And it's already been alluded to, if you're going to rely on that safety net, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to pay the same level of tax. and once you make self-employment a similar level of tax to PAYE; it it negates the the benefits of doing it. Yeah. So um, I think that, and now you don't necessarily look at the bad thing. I th- I think it gives a country a real chance and opportunity to make some fundamental changes. Um, but let's not forget, um, uh, wanna be this with a party of enterprise, of small government, and of low taxation. So. I actually have nightmares at the moment because we are now big government, high intervention, massive state intervention, um, you know, and tax will have to go up to pay for it. So it's everything I've spent the last 20 years um, campaigning against.
0: Yeah, I agree. It makes me incredibly nervous. And every time there's like this new announcement, I'm like, how much, you know, how much are we spending here? And it's, 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 It's possibly necessary right now. Certainly, as a conservative, doesn't make me feel any uh, comfortable at all. Um, And there was a massive hint by uh, Rishi that the taxation system is going to change and things are going to be fairer. But let's not forget self employed people, they don't have a holiday entitlement, um, they don't have uh, a pension scheme, they've got to pay into that themselves. Um, and all this other protection that's just not there generally with self-employment, and so that you know, like you said, that offset was you pay less taxes because you're less of a burden on the state. Um, and if if they're going to pay exactly the same amount of tax as someone who's employed, um, I think there's going to be some real, real problems because this is this is a really, really rare thing. I don't th- I don't think there can be too many changes, um, and I think the general public need to understand. Um, the importance of, of, of self-employment as well, uh, because there's a huge call now for well, yeah, ch- change all the taxes. Everyone ch- taxes the same. Well, actually, the risks aren't the same. No,
1: nobody said nobody said taxes was going to be the same. No, nobody, nobody actually stated.
0: I read between um, the um, lines with Richie, what Richard Sunak was saying, and he, you know,
1: it, he was talking. Yeah, uh, ah, he was very specifically talking about national insurance. Um, uh, uh, he was very specifically talking about national insurance, um, uh, but certainly. Yeah, there's there's, there's got to be some there's definitely got to be some give and take um, uh, on 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 the finance side, but as a conservative, I want to see us get back. Now, I'm very pleased that we're putting these things in place to um uh, to protect business. Um, uh, and admittedly, a lot of has been done on the back of a fag packet, and so that does mean that we're almost bringing out a prototype and bringing it to market, as it were. So, yeah. Changes have to be made. I know there were some changes this morning to the business um, uh, grant relief scheme yeah. um, uh, and those changes will carry on because let's face it these these policies were enacted in a matter of days um, and that's why I Disagree with the media so wholeheartedly about them knocking nearly every policy that's come out with because they've got to realise this is not like normal government policy where they've spent months and months and months bringing it up and of course knock somebody if there's holes in it but anybody that thinks that any of these policies that come out are not going to have holes in um, is living on a different planet so it should be living on a different planet because it's unfair to think a government can come up with completely new legislation that's going to provide a safety net for everybody in a matter of days mm. it just can't happen and so people I think there needs to be a bit more and the funny thing is that I actually think the public do have this as, as showing the fact that we've got such um, good approval ratings at the moment yeah um, <laughs> and that's amazing isn't it which is which which is a bit just soul-destroying for me considering I was supposed to be up for election. Next month.
0: Correct. Um,
1: uh, I'm riding the crest of a Boris wave, but I'm not up till next year now.
0: And I lost um, miserably because of May's performance. So,
1: (laughs) well, there you go. Yeah. But certainly, I think economically, it could be really, obviously, there's some tough times, but it could be a chance to right some of the wrongs that there are. In our economics at the moment without changing it too much because what we have to remember is that we've that we actually came from quite a strong base to begin with
0: yeah
1: we you know we had a strong economy we were um uh we were putting on jobs but another unintended consequence that I've obviously has been talking about this is universal credit which has actually got quite a lot of good press over the last few days mm-hmm. because commentators are coming out now and agreeing that universal credit is doing what the old system could never have even had a hope of doing. Um, uh, and now that people are getting emergency payments within two or three days, it's managed to cope. Was it a diary? 950,000 people have applied for it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think I, I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah, I mean, it's an unprecedented amount of, of things. I mean, I've gone through the system of university credit and it was fine. There was absolutely a, a bit of a delay because it's a new it's a new system. It was exactly the same as if you had to fill in a form and post it off and then wait for someone to process it. It's going to take the same amount of time. I've never, ever had a problem. Um, I've had a, a claim paused, um, but then you've just go online blah, 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 and then they come back to you. No problem. You don't make that noise as you type in. Um, and so it's never really gone wrong for me. And people go, oh, you're in the minority. I don't think I ever was in the minority. It's just people like to scream about. It. I think the minority screams about it because when something goes hot, when something goes wrong, it goes horribly wrong.
1: Yeah, but Sam, you did, and I, I agree with it. I like the fact that you do champion universal credit, and, and 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 I admire that. But you were in a slightly different position when you applied for universal credit, so the weight that you had to endure didn't put you in too much of financial hardship compared to some people. It didn't,
0: but now, it was you, honest. You know
1: me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know me. I'm, I'm a great champion of universal credit, and I think it's brilliant. Um, but the five-week wait is untenable, and I don't even know how we, as a government, we could have even gone into it the, the, thinking that that could have worked. Um, but the fact now that we're managing to get payments out in two or three days, and th- it's things like this which I think are good unintended consequences. So the government have found out that we can get emergency payments out to people in two or three days so you tell me now then when this is over why can't that be the case for all universal credit claimants they can claim an emergency payment in two or three days
0: yeah but you could have always i could have always done that i didn't because i didn't need to um but you always had the option
1: um, i don't think it's ever been i don't i know you can claim emergency payments but i don't think we're ever really been at the state where people are getting them within two or three days i don't think so I don't think we've ever been that good. I mean,
0: it, um, the only negative I saw was when you apply, it doesn't say if you're successful, you would be entitled to X. So what it should do is let you know because you could fall into the trap of applying, getting your emergency payment, and then turns out you're not um, eligible for it, and then and then you've got and then you've got a, a debt fundamentally. But if and then you also know how much to borrow as well in that interim, if you're told in advance how much you could be entitled to. So that's what was always lacking. I don't know whether they will put that in place uh, now, but we've got an unprecedented amount of uh, demand for it. And they are churning it out. And these people are probably working from home and doing everything that we're all told to be doing as well. And so I think, yeah, it's an incredible um, testament to how well oiled the machine has become. Um, and, yeah, I'm glad that the press are, are finally giving it the credit that it, it always was due. Well,
1: when, you know, when, when you say well-oiled and how good it's become, one of the the only, let's not forget, the only reason that this can work is because it's an online-based system, which yeah. is what a lot of its critics were actually um, attacking it for the most. It was an online-based system. But actually... I think the knowledge is now going to be yes, it's an online-based system, which means actually it's available to far more people than what it would be if it wasn't. Um in the old system you used to have to literally go and sign on and you'd have to have had an advisor meet you. Well and, and you might have been claiming for three or four or five different benefits. You know, just imagine how untenable that would have been at this particular time. It would never have worked. And uh, the very thing that a lot of a lot of the left in politics have been knocking universal credit for has been the very thing that has seen it enable best part of a million people to have money in their bank when they didn't think they were going to have any money coming in for weeks. So it's, yeah, like I say, it's biggest problems have actually been its biggest advantages. Yeah. And, um, uh, uh, you know, that's a, I think that's a really positive thing. I'm sure Ian Duncan Smith is sitting there and is a. Uh, Little House in Chingford given us a wry smile because finally we've realised that his idea was
0: an absolutely cracking idea. It was, yeah. And I'm glad he's going to get some recognition for it, is he? No, probably not. <laughs> no, probably not. So, yeah, I mean, it's scary times ahead, but I just, I genuinely think that the future is bright for us as a country. And I think we'll come out the other end of it in a, a weaker economical situation, but everyone will be, but the ideas the the drive forward for real positive changes i think is going to be strong and most importantly the community spirit around us hopefully will continue and we'll, we'll enter into a new phase in this country um which will be a little bit like what it, i imagine it used to be back in the day that people always talk about this is what it was like post-war and people coming together and helping each other out we've we've lost that in recent years and hopefully we're going to get that back again so I'm really feeling once that once I'm actually allowed to see people, I might be a bit more huggy. So sorry, but I'm going to be a bit more huggy. A bit more. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to get to the point. Where not I'm not this. Um, but I think yeah, it's positive. Uh, I'm not sure if it was positive or a negative, but
1: well, can we say whereas whereas I, whereas I practiced whereas I practiced social distancing anyway. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Whereas I always used to tell people I had a one metre exclusion zone around me. I'm just going to say that's two now. Um, uh, so, yeah, I've always had an exclusion zone around me and and, and, and lo- long may that continue. I just
0: never. So I, <laughs> I,
1: I, 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 like, I like the fact you're positive. And just to end on a, another positive note, this actually could be a really good prelude to Brexit because this is bringing the country together in an ad- adverse situation in much the same way that Brexit brought people together as well, very disparate groups of people who all supported the same thing. But I think, you know, potentially, um, uh, I think that will give the country a lot more confidence to actually go into Brexit with a renewed um, uh, hope because they'll think to themselves, well, hang on, if we could get through this and we could do this and we could do this and we could do this on our own, yeah, there's no reason why we can't do Brexit. On our own, because you know what, and what good would be, what what good possibly would we have got extra for being in this club? Nothing. Yeah. Apart from we'd have been saddled with a lot bigger portion of the bill.
0: Agreed. Agreed.
1: Which I haven't quite worked out yet. If us still being, although we've left, but we're still in transition, if we're still liable for any of the money they're (laughs) going to spend in this (laughs) buyout. Well, I would
0: be. If we are.
1: If we are, I'd say we cancel a transition now and just leave with no deal.
0: Yeah. Do you think it'll be extended?
1: Difficult to say. It
0: better not be.
1: Difficult to say because we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. Um uh I actually think there's stuff going on at the moment, um uh between us and the EU. But I think that it would probably be the wrong time for them to get any publicity for it. Because I think if the public knew that there were talks and discussions going on, they would very much be, um, well, why are you discussing that when we've got this crisis? You should be discussing this. You should be discussing this. But no, I I mean, I think that there's discussions going on now. But I actually think that, you know, you don't really need many discussions. The only discussion really needs to be one person on one end of the phone, one person on the other end of the phone saying, do you want a free trade deal? Yeah. OK. Bye. <laughs> um, uh, really, you don't need to spend more than 20 seconds on it. Do you want to just have what you had before? Yes. Look, we're going to have to take something away from you. So we'll take this away from you. So we're going to give you this. Because let's face it, they're going to be. Um, uh, the one thing has been proven throughout all of this is that the supply chains that we thought we were worried about, fresh food medicine medical supplies okay they've survived all this so even though there is horrendously bad coronavirus in the places where we get the majority of our fresh food from spain and the netherlands they're still sending it to us every day so that just shows that regardless of how much pressure there is in an internal country, if there's a market out there, i.e. the UK, that is going to pay more than their internal market pays, then they will sell to it, even if that means you – know, it must have been a struggle for some Spanish and Italian producers to get their fresh fresh produce to us over the last couple of weeks, but they've still got it to us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
0: exactly. Right. All right, then. Yeah. Wow, it's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah, it has, actually. Yeah, I think we should do it this distance more often.
0: <laughs> you're a git. You really are.
1: <laughs> and right. you've, definitely, you've definitely fidgeted more than me today. You haven't stopped going around in that chair all afternoon.
0: It's probably the wine.
1: That's usually what you're nudging me
0: for. <laughs> yeah, get us, get us another drink. Yeah, another positive is I get to drink during the day because I have nowhere to drive to. Um, it makes
1: room. me a nice under me. You also right, okay. This is me signing off then. All right. Bye. I've got, I've got to work out how to sign it off first. It took me ages to work out how to get it on. I don't how to get it off. See ya. <laughs>